0: She is a heart-centered transformational healer, a shaman, a spiritual teacher, and a digital artist. How are you doing today, Atusa?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me on your show.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time and making the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story and your journey. I'm really looking forward to jumping in and Learning about all the things at TUSA and sharing those with the Empowerography community. So, thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So, as mentioned, you are all of those things. In addition to all of those things I already mentioned, you are also a best selling author a poet and a motivational speaker. That is a hell of a lot of hats you wear and quite an extensive resume. How on earth do you find all the time for this and how important is prioritization and organization to you in order to stay on top of things?
1: Good question. I actually used to be a type A personality, you know, that would have lists and to-do lists and backup lists and was really type A and control freak. And through my own healing journey and And when I started this work, I sort of let go of that lifestyle. And I would say at this point, it's more going with the flow of the day and what is planned for me and working more in a divine time than anything else. And those hats, I mean, they all fall into the same thing for me. So I don't see them as separate activities that I have to do. It's just, again, part of that flow of the day or the week
0: right okay now i'm very curious you being a serial entrepreneur and wearing so many hats what does your morning routine look like
1: oh morning is my favorite time of the day i love (laughs) mornings i'm a morning person and my morning routine if i'm a single mom so if it's a school day that means you know making sure my son is out of the door on time to catch his bus And after that, the day is mine and my routine starts by just my morning coffee and meditation and just sitting in that peace and quiet of the morning. I love that time.
0: (laughs) Now, have you always had that entrepreneurial bug in you? And if so, where does that come from, do you think?
1: I believe so in the fact that I didn't feel like I could work for other people. It's just that I wanted to have a say in how things get done and what I do and how I go about my day and my life. And I would say that started pretty young because I was a very stubborn kid, I would say. And definitely did not like to be told what to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the the path was set very early on then. Yes, yes.
1: (laughs) And it's funny, I see that in my son and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) you know, I got exactly uh, what I asked for.
0: There you go. Atusa, what drives, motivates and inspires you to keep going and keep pushing and excelling at all that you do?
1: My healing work with my clients, I would say that's the major factor in the work I do on a daily basis and seeing clients shift and change, even like in a day when I have clients. All of them, that little slight difference after a session that they feel better, that just energizes me. I can wake up tired or maybe not in the best place after I send my son. But as soon as I start my client work, I'm just energized and just so happy to see them even with the slightest shifts.
0: Reinvigorated. Yes, definitely. You say that you have a passion for helping individuals to discover and tap into their true self in order to unlock their potential to experience their desired life. Why is this work so important to you personally? And did the journey of doing this work begin or get inspired through some of your own personal journey and struggles?
1: Definitely, definitely. Growing up, I uh, was born in Iran and my parents were divorced when I was about two and it was a very tough divorce. Definitely my parents did not get along for many, many years. And also my dad was somewhat abusive, or I guess there isn't a somewhat, he was abusive, more verbal, emotional abuse. And I grew up in an environment that females were not given the same opportunities and chances and came with so many more restrictions than males. So it was hard for me. Like I didn't feel that love and acceptance in the family or in the community. And that was beginning of my journey and my struggles. And so I always tried to see how I can please people. What do I need to do? How can I fit in? How can I change myself? That was my goal, to fit in and to receive love and acceptance. And when you grow up with that pattern, then... As an adult, that's really damaging, I look yeah. at it. And also part of it was, again, at a very young age, I went through the, like so many people my age group that were in Iran at that time. We had the Iran revolution. We had the war with Iran-Iraq that took so long. And all of that spiked up my anxiety and fears And then, you know, move here added to all that fear that was in me. And again, added to the fact that, you know, I wasn't accepted. We came here to the U.S. during the time that people had just gotten over the hostage situation. So that added how I was treated. So just like everything packed on top of each other And I chose a life that I really, it was more about money and success and acceptance again from other people until everything came crashing down. And when, you know, I started healing myself and releasing those things in me and seeing the impact on my own life, and that's the gift I want to give to others, that there is a simpler way to live. There is a better way to live. And life is just meant to be lived and experienced. And when you do that from a place of love and accepting yourself, is so much more enjoyable and easier and simpler.
0: That is incredible. I can't even imagine as a kid growing up in a time like that where you're surrounded by war and all the things that were going on at that time, And then to add on top of that, you leave that country and get out, which is great. But you come to a country that you've never been to before. It's all brand new again. I mean, I can't even imagine the struggles, the the internal struggles you went through. First of all, living through a war and being a child in those times but then having to move to a completely foreign country.
1: It was really big. And again, I think what added to this is that I can't talk to any other parents, but my parents for sure. I mean, I came with my mom since again, they were divorced and, we had a whole bag of issues going through Germany and getting to the U.S., but they never took the time to, you know, ask, like, how do you feel? Do you understand even what's going on? Are you scared? So the fear was, I think, the biggest thing that I noticed that I had to overcome as an adult. And I hadn't realized how much of that fear had impacted my life and my behavior. And that was, again, going through the revolution, the war, and nobody really taking the time to just see how I'm doing. And then coming here again, I remember we got here, it was April Fool's, and I just had a weekend. That's it. They put us in school, like we got in, had a weekend, didn't speak a word of English, and on Monday... I'm going to a school and it was one of those schools that they have like kindergarten through high school. It was a huge school. And I'm walking in, not a word of English. They gave me a piece of paper and I keep pointing to this piece of paper. Like, where do I go now? Oh, my
0: gosh.
1: And I remember like one of the days I was just totally lost in the hallways, you know, and I just sat like I was crying. And then finally, one of the teachers saw me and they came and helped me find my class and got me to my class. So it was very challenging. But I'm the sure. biggest thing was that the fear really shaped my future and my life and my behavior and how I went through life.
0: No doubt. So how old were you when you came to the US? And was it just fleeing the country to get away from all the war and the revolution? Or was it because your parents divorced? Or was it a combination of all the things? Like, why did you end up leaving? What prompted that that leaving iran
1: i had family in the states already and my aunt and her husband god bless their soul they had already when they found out about what's going to be happening so they applied for a green card okay. but at that point my dad would not let us leave the country and my mom couldn't take us out without his permission again wow. of those joys of being a female in iran and You know, part of what's going on right now in Iran that you see. So that was a part of it. But then my dad, he needed to leave the country because of the work he was doing. And he wasn't basically safe there either. So he wanted to leave the country. And he thought, well, you know, let me use their green card and see because of their green card if they'll give me, you know, a visa. So he took us to Germany and he took us to Austria first. They denied him. Took us to Germany, they denied him again. Then he called my mom, you know, to come and get us because he was gonna find a way to get to the US. And so my mom came to Germany and she got the permission from him to bring us to the States. So we just had to stay there until we got the paperwork and come here. But it was a combination of what was happening the divorce and both of my parents wanting to leave
0: at that point yeah so, how did you get through all this? I mean, as a child, who did you you were t- talking about your experience in school? You couldn't speak English, and you had nowhere to turn. So who did you have to turn to? i mean your your mom didn't ask how you were doing, or are you okay or how are you feeling about this? So, how did you get through?
1: When we got here, my uncle he was in the military, and he was a big factor in us settling into the u s. And sort of becoming a father figure for us Okay. and helping us get through. And, and then when I learned English, I mean, everything got much easier. Right. But at the beginning, he was a big force in us getting through it, I think.
0: Did your father end up getting over to the U.S.?
1: He did finally. He went through multiple countries and then by boat he came as a refugee then.
0: And did you still have a relationship with him afterwards?
1: I tried for many years with my father and You know, we went back and forth and back and forth. And I think the breaking point for me was, so I, at one point I decided, okay, you know, I got to get through life as fast as I can to be on my own. So I need to, and to do that, I have to get a job. Right. So that meant like, I got to finish my education as fast as I can to, you know, be in control and in charge of my life. And that's what set me, like, okay, what can I study that I can get out in the fastest way and I can earn money? And that was engineering. So I became an electrical engineer and I got my bachelor's at 19.
0: Wow. At 19?
1: At 19, yeah. Holy shit. I'm telling you, type A, you know, (laughs) control freak. And I remember they made an announcement at my graduation. They didn't give our names, but they said that was the year they had the youngest graduate at 19, which was me. And the oldest, I think he was about 76. Wow.
0: One yeah, end of the spectrum and- to the other.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And I remember telling my dad, you know, so I got my bachelor's at 19. They made an announcement and his comment was like, great, now you can become a manager at McDonald's.
0: Wow. And at that
1: point, I was like, okay, I'm done.
0: (laughs) I guess you would think that he would be incredibly proud of what his daughter accomplished. And at the age of 19.
1: Yeah. Yeah no this was like the what did they say the last straw that broke the camel's back and for me it was like you know i'm done trying and at that point i just stopped i said i'm done
0: so would you attribute that then his his behavior or his thoughts around that to i guess his conditioning growing up in iran and and how women are thought of in iran and that oh well you're a woman and you did this okay great (laughs) Is that? Would you attribute that to his way of thinking around that and why he didn't celebrate you?
1: I honestly, to this day, I don't know. Some of it, yes, because I have an older sister and she also has an engineering degree and she graduated before me. He always seemed to be proud of her
0: okay.
1: and her accomplishments. The closest thing I could come up with that why his behavior was the way he was with me is that I think he always wanted a son Uh, and you know, okay, he got the older daughter and he's happy and you know, then comes the second child and is a girl again. Yeah. But I think that probably disappointed him and maybe he took out the disappointment. I, this is all me guessing. Right. Yeah. but, But there was a definite difference between how he felt about my sister and how he felt about
0: me. That must have broke your heart, though. That must have been incredibly tough.
1: It was. I mean, again, that's what set me aside as wanting to get that love and acceptance from him. And that's how I was shaped.
0: Well, I think it's absolutely incredible what you accomplished. And at 19 years old, that is phenomenal. You should be incredibly proud of yourself.
1: I am. I am. I am. Thank you. you. Yes. Yes.
0: So, what was the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson from all that you've experienced then in your journeys?
1: The biggest lesson is that if I can go love myself and I can accept myself, I can overcome and accomplish anything. And I did this a very backward way. I think I wanted to know first that I could do it. And I went full head-on, more with my brain, and I accomplished everything. And then when I did my healing journey, it was the time that I let my heart lead. And then I accomplished everything else, which is, you know, that's when I became the healer, the poet, the artist, the shaman, all those things. So it was a switch. But at each point, I was driven At one point, driven by mind and sense that I can accomplish things and I knew I had that power and then switching it to a heart center place where my heart was leading and I still was able to become a success.
0: What a beautiful transformation, though.
1: It is. It is. And I again, the reason I'm sharing my journey with everyone is for them to know it's doable it's doable I always say if I can do it anybody
0: can do it for so <laughs> the use kids that same too <laughs> yeah
1: I think it's important for the kids too it's like if I can get through all this you can get through
0: it yeah for sure you mentioned creativity and an artist so I want to talk a little bit about that so you being a creative what set you on this path of creativity how did your journey begin in the arts world.
1: That's a funny story too. So as a kid, I always loved art, but in Iran, again, I don't know who was my family only, or most families are like that. Art is not something that you pursue. Art is a, something you do for fun. So it's, I wasn't encouraged. And also anytime you come to be any kind of creative, you get criticized. Oh, you're not doing it right. It should look this way. So yeah. at some point I gave up again. It's like, okay, this is not, you know, I can just doodle with doodling. Nobody can say anything. Let me just <laughs> doodle on my own. Yeah. But then when I hit that sort of what I call my rock bottom point, that's when I remember I had canvases and acrylic paint and pastels and everything. And I just started drawing. I just started painting. And it didn't matter for me like what it looked like. It was whatever it wanted to come out and then i shifted that to my digital art and it was part of my healing journey i would say and then i started seeing like all this messages in the artwork and in that healing that it brings to even the people that are seeing the art it just everybody used to say like and they still say like you know when they connect with an artwork that they've connected to it, it has a healing energy for it. They see something in themselves in the artwork. So that's, to me, it's like the most powerful thing.
0: Oh, beautiful. Now, I want to continue on this path of creativity. So as a creative yourself, and I ask this of a lot of the creatives that I speak with, do you think that we are all born with an innate creativity and or, you know, Are people like when I think about artists, athletes, musicians? There are people that are just born with this incredibly natural ability, incredible natural ability. Do you think that this is something that you can learn, practice, and hone and become artistic and get to that level where we've got these musicians and You think of the greats, Van Gogh and Beethoven and all of these incredible people that just, it seems like they have just come out of the womb with this talent in them. So do you think that those that are not, like I would call those the 10% will say... The other 90%, do you think that they can reach that level of artistic ability that that 10% has through practice and honing? Or is that something that we just can't get to in terms of skill set and skill level if you're not born with that? What are your thoughts on all that?
1: I look at it in a different way. I look at that we're all... Every morning, every day we wake up, we're creating our life. Right. So, as that, we are creatives. And if you bring that creative energy to, and again, from your heart, put it into Whether it's photography, whether it is, you know, any visual art or when you're talking about music or poetry or storytelling, cooking, whatever that is, and you bring it from your heart, it has a beautiful energy and it does what it needs to for whomever is experiencing it with you. Now... If you look at it, creative as in terms of a monetary success or a fame success, then it would be a little different because you're doing it to also sell it. So there are other people have to like your work right. and like what you're doing. So then you bring you, you shift that aspect. And for that, then I believe there is a honing of those skills and a need to do it a little bit differently. Right. But just being creative and putting that creative energy out into the world and for just the pleasure of putting it out and for whoever comes to enjoy it it's going to have an
0: impact on them. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing your perspective. It's something I always think about and wonder about when it comes to creativity and music and sports and athletics and all of these things. I just, I always wonder, do you think it's possible to reach that pinnacle of talent that some of these people that seem like they just come out of the womb with those skill sets and they're just incredible. It's just, it just comes natural to them.
1: Yeah. No, I I, I think there is a difference. I mean, like I can do, I can play music for my own pleasure and other people may like it. But to be a Beethoven? No, I think that's (laughs) something that just come, you you come out like that. That's a gift that you have.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, speaking of gifts, and you mentioned that art is healing. How did you discover you had the gifts of being a transformational healer, shaman and spiritual teacher?
1: When I started as a kid, I actually, I always wanted to be a healer. I was interested in the healing art. So even when I was doing my engineering work on the side, I got certifications, I would read books and, but it was more for my own healing and, you know, maybe working on some friends and family, but it wasn't until life sort of Said, okay, we're not gonna let you be on this crazy path that you've been just working with your mind and money. We we have a bigger plan for you. <laughs> uh, it's a plan that you asked for when you were a kid, and so now we're gonna put it into action. And it came a time. It was right after my divorce. Mm-hmm. and it was a very hard time and it was just all that stress and the whole prospect of the court system everything everything and I started thinking about I can't do the engineering work anymore I used to sit in front of my computer the work that I had done for many years and I had done it successfully. I would stare at my screen and it would be like, I'm reading something Chinese or foreign. I couldn't even understand. I would keep looking at this screen and it's like, I can't understand the words on my screen. How can yeah. this be? And I stopped. I'm like, okay, this is insanity. Every day I wake up, I cry. I look at the screen because I can't understand this. So let me do something different. And I was about to lose my house too. And I had a friend and it's a he said, you know, you already have the certificates, you have the gift. Why don't you start with this and you're going to be helping other people. And I did it. I took that one step and it led me to what I'm doing here. And the more I went into it, I noticed it's like, oh you know all those years of healing myself and coming up with this sort of a tool it wasn't even a toolkit it was a full trunk load of (laughs) tools that I've developed I'm using all these techniques for other people now and they're benefiting from it and it just got bigger and bigger and You know, now we have today. today. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you realized you had these gifts, did you struggle internally at all to understand and realize the gifts you had, or was it pretty easy for you to embrace?
1: It was easy for me to embrace what was difficult, was sort of what I call coming out. Into the world again because of I still had that acceptance in me, that wanting to be accepted, not as much as probably what I had before, but it was still a little bit of it in me at that point. And to me, it was difficult that here I'm. Everybody knows me as an electrical engineer, and now all of a sudden hey, I'm a shaman, I'm a healer, and look what I can do, or even I'm an artist. And coming out and saying those things and standing in that truth, that was a bit challenging. But trusting my gifts, no, I I trusted my gifts wholeheartedly.
0: Well, that's like you're at the complete other opposite end of the spectrum yes. there, so <laughs> I can only imagine the shock, but we also know how people are and how they react to things like that. It's like you're giving up a steady, secure, amazing job making this amount of money to do what <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? like people will always impart their thoughts and opinions on us if they don't agree with it or if they don't see what's in it I mean if you're doing something that makes your heart sing versus something that you're miserable why would you do it like it's time for a change exactly. people can't understand that because they're scared of change
1: exactly and that's again another point that I bring out to clients and whoever is listening out there and on my podcast do I keep saying the same thing, is that just start with a little bit, you know, change. It can be scary, but if you let that fear get to you, you're never going to know what you can do and what you're capable of. Just allow that heart to come out and sing. You don't have to do it as a business at first. Just yeah. take smaller steps and life will guide you and show you.
0: Absolutely. Atusa, what type of person or client is your ideal client? Like, What things do you look for in a potential client before deciding to work with them?
1: Honestly, by the time they've come to me, they're ready. So they their potential client already, if they've come to me, because I've noticed they all have a similar comment when they say, you know, I kept coming back to your webpage page there was something in there for me so yeah. by the time they've come to me they are ready for their healing journey but for me the ideal client is anyone that is ready to live a better life, to live a happier life, to live a life that they're loving and accepting of themselves and they're ready to extend that out into the world, that's my ideal client. I'm going to get them there. The first thing I tell my clients is that I'm going to clear and clean the path for you. I'm going to be your guide. I'll be your cheerleader. I'll be your support person. I'll be there every step of the way. If you are ready to walk that walk, because what I'm not going to do is carry you, push you. (laughs) And even if you get yourself in a hole, I'm not going to get you out. I'm going to tell you, here's the rope. Use those hands and feet. You're going to do this. You're going to get out. But if you decide to stay in the hole, I'm going to let you stay in the hole and come and say, you're ready to come out. I'm out here. (laughs) So yeah.
0: I'll give you the tools, but I'm not going to do it for you.
1: Exactly.
0: What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do?
1: Oh man, the change. First day when they come and the last day when they're done with me is just amazing. And those notes of gratitude that uh, they say, you know, you've changed our lives. That to me is like, There's nothing, it's more precious than any amount of money or anything you can give me. I can't put a value on it.
0: Yeah. On the flip side of that, what would you say is one of the most challenging parts about the work that you do?
1: The challenging part for me is probably taking time to ground myself and because mm-hmm. I carry my clients with me and not just my clients, there are few people in my life that are very close to me and their troubles I sort of carry with me. I feel everything because of the work I do and just making sure as I'm feeling everything and helping every. Everybody release that, making sure that I'm grounded in me and in my heart.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to be at your optimal shape, too, because you are giving so much to your clients that you can't pour from an empty cup. So you have to be 100% fully recharged and charged up.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: You're trained in multiple areas and modalities. Can you speak a little bit about that and how you incorporate those into your work? With your clients
1: yeah so the services i have the most impactful services i would say the first one is what i call my life transformation past trauma release sessions which is a series of about eight to ten sessions for most people and by the time we're done they really have changed their lives. And then after that is the energy healing. And then I have the emotional lay release for those that are not ready to take that step. So I want to focus more on the life transformation because that's my joy. And the steps I take on the first part of that is for me to sort of open up that energy And also I walk into their lives energetically and sort of get in touch and see when and where did the patterns and habits and the roots of their triggers started. So I find those ages and those areas and then I'll share that with them. And the sessions after that is where I sort of walk into those dark, you want to call it shadow parts, dark parts, but those trauma parts that they haven't been able to Clear out, I walk into that with them. I've already connected sort of energetically with that part, with that sort of like, let's call it, maybe it was a four year old or eight year old. Right. And then I guide them to connect. And then there's different modalities I use. You know, that's where my shamanic practices come, my energy healing practices come, things that I've gathered in my own. Techniques of visualization and mantras and EFT and things like that. And then we release and heal it. And then the next day, we'll, you know, or the next session, we'll do that again for the different age until we've addressed everything. And I light them up after that. Yeah. And balance them.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Atusa, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after you learned it?
1: The biggest thing, loving myself. That's from that love, the true love that I have for myself, I get to pour that love out to everyone else, no matter if it's a client or my son or whomever else in my life. So that was The main thing that I had to learn to love myself fully and unconditionally. And what changed is that I went from a place that I was full of fear, full of triggers, full of anxiety to a life that is just, I would say, free flowing now. Beautiful. What
0: do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful?
1: My superpower, my ability to love and accept. Because whoever walks in through their door, no matter what their journey, I love and accept them. And even the people that so-called villains in our life that have done us wrong, my ability to forgive and also be able to love and accept them.
0: That's a beautiful skill set for sure. To be able to forgive is one of the biggest gifts we can give ourselves Mm -hmm. and others.
1: Yes, forgiveness is such a powerful tool.
0: It is. How do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you?
1: Success now with my heart center practice, it has changed. Success is that every day if I am making an impact, In anybody's life, it can be my smile, it can be my hug, it can be just uh, providing that space of love, allowing them to be who they are to meet that success.
0: Well said. Atusa, who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why?
1: The biggest impact, if we're talking about actual physical person that I know, or is it more of a mentor? Either or. Okay. So, mentor would be Rumi, uh, the poet Rumi. Mm-hmm. The biggest impact, he was the sort of that catalyst to my healing journey. Okay. And the person physically in my life that has had the biggest impact would be my son.
0: Beautiful. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received?
1: that we are here in these physical bodies to experience life.
0: Ah, I love that. (laughs) What does the word empowerment mean to you?
1: Empowerment to me is getting someone to realize that internal power that they have inside of them. And when you light them up to realize that power, whatever that power is within them, And you light them up to recognize that and it changes their whole perspective and shifts them.
0: That's witnessing transformation right there. Yes. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing, okay? Okay. If you could have one superhero superpower, what would it be?
1: It would be that I can touch someone and they immediately feel the love and release all the fear.
0: What is your favorite word? Magic. Would you rather have more time or more money? Time. What is your favorite self-care practice?
1: My morning meditation.
0: At what time of the day do you get your best work done?
1: Oh, early morning, 6 o'clock.
0: What is your biggest pet peeve?
1: I don't have a choice. Anybody says, I don't have a choice.
0: If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be?
1: Ooh, optimism and love.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. That concludes our rapid-fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> what is one lesson that your work has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their lives?
1: Life is simpler than we make it out to be. And if you let go of the control and trust Trust that there is a plan, trust that life is working out for you and trust in your own heart and your own knowing and your intuition and yourself. That is a priceless thing and it's going to get you through everything else.
0: That's a hard lesson to learn, though, to be able to lean in and trust yourself and trust your gut. And it takes a lot of practice.
1: It does. I tell people I have a lot of stories of trust that I share with them. And I went through so many universes, gave me so many practice opportunities, sayings like, do you trust me now? Do you trust <laughs> me now? And it was to the, my last lesson, it felt like they're holding me by a hair strand over a cliff and saying, do you trust me? And I was like, yeah, I trust you. You've got this. I know you're going to get me out of this.
0: Those universal two by fours in the back of the head.
1: Exactly. I love those. They're the amazing things.
0: Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's just in your face. And okay, we tried whispering to you. We tried nudging you. You still didn't listen. So here comes the two by four. You better exactly. listen now.
1: <laughs> exactly. I love those.
0: What challenge in your life has shaped you the most, would you say?
1: Being able to release the fear and anxiety, especially since my life was driven by PTSD. I did not realize how much PTSD I had in everything I touched. Even, you know, with my son, it was like, he was one of my biggest PTSDs, triggered my PTSD. And to be able to release and heal that, that was the biggest challenge, especially when it came to him.
0: What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the past year?
1: Being able to really flow with that divine time especially divine time divine purpose i had it down but that divine time that everything is really working at a different time than mine and trusting that divine time
0: in the last two years what new belief behavior or habit has most improved your life
1: being able to release judgments and again bring that love and acceptance and unconditional love to again not just the villains in my life but seeing that everybody has a past has trauma in their life and has shaped them for who they are so Focusing more on generational cleansing and healing to be able to have a bigger impact.
0: If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why?
1: I had to think about that one, but I kept coming back to Michelle Obama. Okay. And the reason I believe she is heart-centered, I see her as more heart-centered, and she has a lot of different stages, and she's making a great impact, especially in the young kids. Yeah. And I love that.
0: If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
1: You are loved, you are safe, you are supported. Beautifully
0: said. Beautifully said. Lastly, Atusa, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, like your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart?
1: It would be that you are loved and you are magic and you are always connected to this beautiful universe. Just notice it, acknowledge it, and... You're going to open up yourself to so much magic and you're going to experience life a whole different way.
0: Beautiful way to end the interview, Atusa. Thank you so much for making the time and taking the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story, your struggles, your journey. You are an incredibly inspiring woman with all that you have been through and overcome. You should be incredibly proud of yourself and just keep shining your bright, beautiful light into the world and doing the amazing work that you're doing.
1: Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you for the work you do. I love your platform and what you're doing for women and especially young women out there. Thank you. And I'm so blessed to be on your show. Thank you so much.
0: It's my pleasure and my honor. Once again, my name is Brad Welsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Thank you so much to my wonderful guest today, Atusa Raisian. She is a heart-centered transformational healer, a shaman, spiritual teacher and an artist thank you so much atusa i appreciate you it's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you i hope you have an amazing rest of the day
1: thank you everyone thank you brad
0: thank you very much for listening to this podcast if you haven't yet please be sure to subscribe rate review and share with all your friends you can find me at visioforia.ca Follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.